Hey there, and welcome to Alcoholics Androgynous. Sarah, what are you drinking today? I am so glad that you asked because I am drinking this Mardi Gras Bach from Abita Brewing, the same company that makes Purple Haze, which is one of my favorite beers. Um, This one is just okay. It's fine. Not as good as Purple Haze, but what is? What kind of beer is it? It's a Bach. Which I forget what the details are about a Bach, and I had plenty of time to look that up before we started this, but I didn't. You know, a beer's a beer. I have the general idea of what it tastes like. Yeah. I bought it a year ago before Mardi Gras last year, and then I forgot to drink it for Mardi Gras, so I'm doing it this year. (laughs) Anyway, what about you? I'm drinking, well, now it's empty, actually. I was drinking water. I'm not drinking anything yet. Um, That's that's not really in the Mardi Gras spirit. It certainly isn't, and I'm very sorry. But I will say is that I am in compliance with all of my local laws and regulations if I were to leave the house with this cup of (laughs) water at one point. Now it's empty. But yes. Yeah. (laughs) And that is because today we are talking about uh, Louisiana... In our fun Mardi Gras special episode. And uh, we'll be starting off with open container laws. Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll, I'll start off with some uh, some open container law lore and background. Um, so obviously open container laws uh, refer to, you know, whether or not you're allowed to consume alcohol from an open container uh, in a public space. Uh, you know, it's perfectly legal to walk down the sidewalk and have a corked bottle of wine in your hand, uh, but it becomes an issue when you uncork it. Um, and so when we talk about public spaces in open container laws, we're talking about like sidewalks, parks, municipal areas, uh, you know, not like outdoor stadiums or anything that's like kind of a privately held property regardless, um, you know, anywhere that's like fully open to the public, that is where it It applies. Um, So you can drink in a stadium and you can drink in your backyard because that is not public property. (laughs) What about a church parking lot? That's a good question. (laughs) Tough to say. Probably. So I I shouldn't go to my church, my local church parking lot to drink outside? I think you, I think that's what you take up with god the big okay. man upstairs all right i'll um, i'll ask him about it this weekend yeah, you you see what he says well <laughs> so another thing is uh that is interesting is that a lot of other countries don't even have this like it's it's very common to just be able to drink out in public in most other countries from what i saw um you know with regulations and stuff but on the whole like most of european countries have some regulation but you're generally allowed to drink in public um and then like you know same thing with south america generally yeah it's fine 
Um, and then same thing with like uh, East Asia. There was <laughs> there was literally no laws I could find written for um, African nations. That is in a brief skim over what countries do and don't allow. So, like, I'm sure they do have laws regarding it. I just don't know what they are because it was not included in the list at all. Um, But, yeah, the two big ones that stuck out were just the UAE, which has a total ban prohibition on it. And then the U.S., which has all of these complicated laws because we love to be complicated and individualist. So every state is different. Uh... Open container laws are handled at the state level, not the federal level. The federal level doesn't give a fuck. Um, It's the states. And so, yeah. um, Every state goes about liquor laws in a totally different way, which is why uh, if you go to, like, some states, you can find, like, a handle of vodka in, like, a Target, and then you go Mm -hmm. to, like, New York, and you cannot. Wait, you can't? In New York? Oh. No. Yeah. I thought that... Oh, I guess I I forget what it's uh, like there because here you can't you can barely find anything with alcohol <laughs> in it. Yeah, in New York you can't. Um, it's like I think you can like maybe get like the you can get like beers and stuff. I know that. I think it has to do with ABV or something. You can get like beers and malt liquors, um, but you can't isn't, get like wine. Isn't that why? Uh, like you can get a wine drink at CBS and it's not really wine. It's just like wine drink or something. Yeah, it is. It's like a legality thing. That's why it's like the really shitty $7 brand. Cause it's like some weird approximation of wine that isn't really wine. Um, I don't know what the legality is on that. <laughs> That's not what I'm going into today. I have been wondering about that though. So maybe we should do an episode on those weird like wine products that are sold in CVS in states where they're not allowed to sell wine in CVS. I don't know. Okay. Um, but yeah, so there's the weird wines and then there's all the malt liquors and the beers. <laughs> there's a, a few big counterexamples to uh, open container laws because most states in the u.s have uh, laws against carrying open containers um and the there's a few big examples to the contrary where they are allowed that being new orleans uh las vegas savannah georgia is another big one uh, but only in the historic district <laughs> and uh atlantic city new jersey baby but that's of 2020 because governor phil murphy was like oh, Atlantic City's dead. What can we do to revive it? And I think open container laws make the most sense for Atlantic City. Yeah. I mean, the Jersey Shore really is just, you know, open container laws everywhere. Whether they want it to be or not, you know, it's not technically legal there, but it is. (laughs) Yeah. I don't see how that changes anything. I feel like I think of a bunch of beer beer bottles in the street yeah. when I think of Atlantic City. City. Yeah, that's the vibe. I agree. <laughs> so I don't know if it really changes anything. They've just, you know, said, yeah, fuck it. Let's let this happen now. So I don't know. One fun one is that the entire state of Indiana is just free range. That's, I didn't realize that. You can just go wherever. You can have a beer, whatever. Oh, my God. That's fine. No one cares. So we're Purdue. The yeah. Is- Oh, okay. Caroline's brother goes there, and he's a frat boy. He Mm -hmm. must have a lot of fun with that. 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully they all know about it. I'm assuming you would if you're in college, you know. That yeah. makes sense to me. From what I saw, at least, Indiana is free range. You know, maybe I didn't look into that state's laws enough. I don't know. But from what I could find, Indiana is free range. Anyway, a lot has actually changed quite recently, though, with the pandemic, which is why we saw a loosening of open container laws pretty much across the country. Uh, I mean, at least in major cities. I noticed it in New York where, like, it's just okay now to get a to-go cup from yeah. a bar. No one's going to ask questions. Um, and so, like, it... It's not, like, actually on the books legal. It's just that, you know, the whole state was like, yeah, fuck it, you know? Like, because they outlawed going to bars, so you might as well be able to bring the bar home to you, you know? And so Mm -hmm. hopefully not everything goes out of business. That's the vibe. So, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see that written into law soon, or maybe it'll just kind of fall out of fashion to enforce in any type of way. But, you know, maybe some progress, some updated news in this area. As a whole, um, going back to Louisiana and New Orleans, obviously New Orleans specifically has open container laws. The rest of Louisiana kind of varies by the municipality and how it wants to govern it. Um, I saw the general consensus was that it was like okay to have like beer or like any other thing in a non-breakable container, but most other places other than New Orleans won't let you like get a to-go cup from a bar. That's like exclusively New Orleans. Um, but other places in Louisiana, you can totally drink a beer outside and no one's going to bat an eye at you. Uh, and then, you know, that's on top of the vehicle liquor laws, which, you know, we'll get into. There's, um, there's a federal law actually regarding liquor laws in cars. And I think it said something like only 39 states are in compliance with it. Uh, obviously New Orleans in like full compliance with it. Cause there's a lot of different like statutes to it, I guess. But you know, New Orleans was one of them that wasn't fully, you know, in line with it. And then Connecticut's another one that I've heard about occasionally of like, if you cross into Connecticut, if you're in the passenger seat or in the back seat or something like that, you can like just whip out your fucking white claw and rip it and uh, go to town as long as it's not the driver. So I don't know. I don't know if I have just shared something illegal that my friends have done, but that is what I've heard about. I have never set foot in Connecticut, nor do I plan to. So I'm, I'm not attesting to this. Um, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah, so for New Orleans, at least, uh, it, it varies by municipality. Um, uh, or Louisiana, it varies by new municipality. New Orleans has the most lax laws. Um, it's the only municipality in which... Bars don't have to close at 3 a.m. I think it said something like every other municipality they do have to close at 3 a.m. New Orleans, they can be 24 hours, which is interesting. Um, but all the other liquor laws are fairly normal. Like, it's it, they're still, like, pretty lax, pretty chill. Um, you know, you can buy alcohol for a minor if it's, like, your kid or something like that. Mm. Or if it's, like, part of a religious service. Or if you're at home, you know, no one's going to kick in the doors and, like, tell you to stop. So, like... It's written into the books is pretty lax. A lot of other states don't have that kind of stuff actually written down. Um, but it, it's interesting that New Orleans does have it all written into law. And it makes sense given that they have <laughs> such a drinking culture associated with them. Um, and then the other interesting thing is that for sale of liquor, you don't really see any liquor stores at all if you're in uh, Louisiana, at least. It's not really a thing. And it's because... Uh, 
like prepackaged alcoholic beverages, like literally anything that you can buy in a bottle, you can get at your grocery store or like your convenience store. I think we went into a CVS when we were in New Orleans and there was literally people buying like handles of stuff in yep. like yep. a Walgreens. <laughs> yeah. I think that memory just got dug up for me. Yeah, me too. I think about that, you know, semi, semi-regularly. Because um, <laughs> we, we really did also witness a fight from one right. drunk man trying to buy some handles in that parking lot yep. of a Walgreens at like midnight. <laughs> yep. That was something. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's just everywhere. So they don't really have any dedicated like liquor stores unless you're like, looking to get some really fine product or something that's kind of rare. Uh, if you're just going for basics, you can get it pretty much anywhere. Uh, there was one other thing I wanted to note, um, and that was just that I saw a pretty interesting Huffington Post article that kind of outlines everything here. And they noted that these cities and areas, so like, again, Las Vegas, Louisiana, uh, Las Vegas, New Orleans, Atlantic City, Savannah, they didn't do anything specific to like enable them the ability to do this. It's just that after prohibition, they never put a law into the books banning open containers. It's that they they did no action instead of taking action. Every other municipality <laughs> took the action of doing that. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting. It's just like everywhere else has actively done something to <laughs> prevent open containers <laughs> from being allowed. Um, and yeah, so I, I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, and it's reflective of this pretty strong political movement against alcohol consumption after prohibition and even to this day. And, you know, I'm all about consuming alcohol safely and in moderation. Uh, but, you know, these are still technically prohibition laws. Um, and so I can't really say whether they're like a greater public good or a bad because it showed that, you know, crime went down better for public health sure but there is also a cost to it which is that you know it does come with like the same effects of like drug criminalization which are that it disproportionately affects like lower income neighborhoods and like people of color uh end up getting jailed far more frequently than like the slap on the wrist you would get if you were like a white boomer man walking down the street with a beer so you know it's it's the same kind of costs there. Um, but yeah, that's generally the overall analysis of our, our liquor laws is that they don't make any fucking sense and everywhere's different. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'll throw it over okay. to you now for the crazy shit of uh, drive throughs All right. Uh, before we start with that, though, I just want to note that we are recording this episode on a very historic day. It's Tuesday. Because it's two, 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 yeah. two, two, and it's Tuesday. It is. Um, yeah. Also, also because later tonight is my birthday party because the original one got canceled because of COVID, and I chose to do it today because it's so special because it's Tuesday. Hey, um, happy birthday! Yeah, you had no idea that yesterday was your birthday. That's crazy. I didn't know that. But wow, thank you. Yeah. Um yeah, but next Tuesday is also a special alcohol day because that is when Mardi Gras is and that is why we are doing this episode which we said in the beginning, but 
I'm talking about cocktails invented in New Orleans now, and I'm going to get to what you said, but I'm going to make everyone wait until the end and listen to me talk about other cocktails first. So I am going to start with the Sazerac because it's a classic. It was supposedly invented in the 1830s by Antoine Peychaud, the guy who also invented Peychaud's bitters at his pharmacy on Royal Street. Yeah. So that is why there are Peychaud's bitters in the drink. Makes sense. He was trying to make a drink. Yeah. He was trying to make a drink that he could put his bitters into, basically. Um, Self-promo. And it's named. Yeah. That's how you market a pharmacy. Put your bitters into a cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was named after the Sazerac brand of cognac because that was originally the base spirit. But then in the 70s, the recipe switched to using rye as a base. So nowadays, you'll most likely be served um, a Sazerac that's made with an absinthe rinse and then rye, peychauds or angostura bitters, and sugar or simple syrup. Um, And the absinthe rinse was also added in the 70s. And just to clarify what an absinthe rinse is, because I do think that the concept of an absinthe rinse is a little dumb, but that's a personal opinion. But basically, because you're just pouring a little bit of absinthe in and then you like swish it around and then toss it out. So there really isn't any absinthe in the drink. But But then they get to list on the menu that it's in there. And that just makes people want to order it and it feels deceptive to me but i i agree i also think if you're gonna waste that much by just dumping it out just do the mister bottle on top because you're just going Mm -hmm. for the aroma at that point anyway just do the mister. right exactly it's all just for the smell i think some places probably do the mister but i think that it's a little bit of a a marketing scam yeah. But anyway, I agree. <laughs> that's that is the Sazerac, and now I'm gonna move on to the next cocktail, uh, which I think that you and I have talked about before, but I don't think it was for this podcast. But I think when we were in New York, New Orleans, you told me about it, and it is the Brandy Milk Punch, mm. which I don't, I don't think we ever had one when we were down there no i don't think we did this one actually probably wasn't invented in new orleans because milk punch recipes date back to the 17th century but it's a little bit of a weird one and it's pretty heavily associated with new orleans now which is why i wanted to acknowledge it and basically it's just more cognac because i i don't understand that i don't like cognac but cognac and milk with some simple syrup and vanilla extract which it's pretty fucking nasty (laughs) honestly i i don't know cognac is so gross i feel like adding milk to it might make it better i think you could just skip it entirely honestly it's it's, all right it's not for me (laughs) all right well that's what we did when we went to new orleans we skipped it entirely yep so the next one is also a dairy cocktail and it is the Ramos Gin Fizz 
And I'm not sure if this is true, but I've heard that the Ramos Gin Fizz is one of the hardest cocktails to make and that you're pretty cool if you've done it successfully, which I have. So how is it hard? I don't know this cocktail. Okay. So it's hard because it is traditionally made with gin, heavy cream, egg white, lemon juice, simple syrup, and orange blossom water. I can see where the issues arise. Right. You just accidentally start making cheese. Yes. Yes, exactly. First issue is adding lemon juice to heavy cream. It is hard to not curdle it. But then the second is that you have to shake it for a really long time to like whip up the heavy cream and eggs. So it's like a few minutes straight of shaking, which is just a lot of physical activity. Mm. A little bit of background on this drink is that it was invented in 1888 at the Imperial Cabinet Saloon on Gravier Street and then popularized by Henry C. Ramos at his bar of the stag. But yes, like I said, difficult to make unless uh, slightly less difficult to make if you use this tip that I have for you. I So what I do is instead of putting in the lemon juice, simple syrup, and orange blossom water, I just shake all the other ingredients together and then I pour in Trader Joe's lemon elderflower soda at the end. There you go. And and then it tastes, yeah, (laughs) then it tastes amazing and is, and you don't have to worry about making cheese. That's true. Also, um, there's like this thing with the Ramos Gin Fizz where like to test if it's done right, you put a straw in it and if it like stays upright because like the top part has like a consistency of like a soft meringue it'll stay there instead of falling off to the side oh, okay like how a straw would usually yeah hmm. that is such an elaborate yes. drink and i'm gonna be honest it doesn't sound very high reward it doesn't sound like that is gonna be worth all of the effort that goes into it i mean it might be worth the effort if you're not the one putting in the effort that's true that's true <laughs> I might order it if I ever see it, but I don't know if I would ever make one for myself. Yeah, I haven't done it in like two years, but that was like my first quarantine activity was trying to make that. And then it was over. How many failed attempts went into the one success? There were several successes, excuse me. Oh, that's how I know that my way is better than the traditional way because I did a bunch of iterations. Mm-hmm. And then I guess I got lazy and I put in the Trader Joe's lemon elderflower soda. But then that really worked. I don't know. I think uh, I probably tested it and then just kept shaking it if it wasn't good enough. So I know I probably failed on it at least once, though, where I don't know. It just didn't taste right. I feel like my go-to would be to make this in a batch and make it by putting it just in the KitchenAid stand mixer on high and just having it whip like the meringue up for for me not even dealing with it i don't have a KitchenAid, but i wonder how if that would work if you have like a hand mixer maybe no i don't bake so i have mm. nothing maybe i'll do an experiment i'll see if if you can make it with the hand mixer or the KitchenAid. I think that'd be kind of funny. If you do that, 
you should go to Trader Joe's too. Yeah. Get that lemon elderflower soda because then you don't have to get orange blossom water and you don't have to worry about the lemon juice. Yeah. So that's true. I'm going to move on to the next cocktail. And this is a pretty popular one, but it's also one that I hate. It's the hurricane. Mm. Yes. The the one that inspired the hurricane shape, the hurricane glass, the one that's like yeah. shaped like an, I don't know. Is it supposed to be a woman's body? I was about to say the one that is, is shaped kind of like a woman's body. <laughs> Very, um. I never thought about that until I just tried to describe the shape. Yeah. And that was the first thing I thought of. If you ever have like you know, watched a movie where, like, some frat bro is, like, describing the curve of a woman and he does that hand motion. That's exactly how the glass Yeah, because I was, because I was, I was doing the hand motion and I was like, is this a woman's body? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, not every woman's body, just a frat boy's idea of a woman's body. Exactly. Yes. But the hurricane was invented by Pat O'Brien and Charlie Cantrell at Pat O'Brien's bar on St. Peter Street in the French Quarter. And the story goes that post-prohibition, there was just a shit ton of rum and Pat and Charlie's liquor distributor would only sell them other spirits if they agreed to take 50 cases of rum so that they did not want. Because why... Why would you? <laughs> Who would want that? Not me. Not me. Uh, so these two had to sell this rum. So they mixed four ounces of rum with passion fruit syrup and lemon juice. And that is the how the bane of my college experience was born. Gross. It's, it's literally four ounces of rum and gross. syrup. Gross. It is gross. Gross. No other mixer in there? Lemon juice. Gross not a mixer (laughs) i mean it's passion fruit flavored syrup right my college experience of having a ton of rum drinks because that's what i could get for free at this one bar really makes me hate rum now you know it's funny how the cycle of abuse continues you know because like they kept offloading their rum onto the creator of the hurricane and now bars offload their hurricanes onto these college kids who can't afford anything better everyone's just trying to get rid of rum maybe we should just stop making it honestly no one likes it (laughs) i tell bartenders sometimes when i get to talking to them that i hate rum And then sometimes they get very upset by that because apparently there are some people and professional bartenders who really love rum. And I will say that it is the most diverse spirit in the world, but also the commercially available rum all tastes very similar and I don't like it. It is also, and this is fact, the grossest spirit in the world. (laughs) And... That's a, that's a guarantee from this podcast to you. Nasty. There's not a grosser one. What about absinthe? What about when we did our absinthe episode? I would drink absinthe. Really? I would drink absinthe before I drank rum. I'm not even joking. Uh, yeah, me too. Absinthe is nasty, but I would choose that over rum any day. No, I'm with you. I'd do that too. You know... There is no reason for us to drink what pirates drank. I, and I stand by that. 
We have no need for that. A society has evolved past the need for rum. I mean, also, the reason why it's the most diverse spirit in the world is because it's so cheap to make. Yeah. Yes, I do respect that it is part of some cultures, but also those those versions of it don't really make it to me. So Yeah, fair enough. Do you remember how they were really trying to push Kashasa for a little while and now I like don't even hear about it anymore? Do you? The word rings a bell. I honestly don't remember what you're talking about. Though. I think it's like from Brazil. I'm not sure on that though, but it is a type of rum and it does taste different from other rums because I think it tastes a little bit like sake, a little like if you mixed rum and sake. Mm. Interesting. I feel like in like 20, around 2018 or 2019, a bunch of bars in New York were trying to sell like cachaça drinks. Oh, I was not expecting it to be spelled this way. Oh. I have absolutely seen this. Mm-hmm. I see this in a lot of uh, like caipirinhas. Yeah, yeah. I, wish I could pronounce that drink. I never order that drink because I can't fucking say it. <laughs> that Caipirinha? yes, yes. I think yes. Then it is Brazilian because I'm pretty sure that's like the Brazilian drink. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is Brazilian, which is why it's spelled with a fun little bloop right below the C. Yep. All right, and now we're we are getting to the fun last cocktail that I have to talk about, and that is the daiquiri. But it's not what you're thinking, because the real daiquiri is a classy bitch, and she was invented in Cuba after the Spanish-American War. I am talking about drive-through daiquiris, which are really just alcoholic slushies that since. 1981 you can still pick up from a stand from inside your car in new orleans right yes in new orleans because of how you just told us that they did not do laws like how everyone else did Mm -hmm. um yes so um even though it's called a drive-through daiquiri they do have a bunch of different flavors like strawberry daiquiri and whiskey sour also hurricane whiskey sour okay. yes don't you want that as a as a slushy just a bunch of ice in your whiskey sour i'm i'm good i'm really i'm All right. good <laughs> okay Mr. Roland, what, what other flavors can i can i explore All right well, they have her- the hurricane as a flavor. They also have jungle juice. Very Gross. vague. But, yeah. yeah. Punch drink. Even more vague. And then my favorite one that I saw. It's called attitude adjustment. <laughs> What's in the attitude adjustment? I have no idea. I just looked at Incredible. a picture of uh, of the like slushy machines on the wall and wrote down oh. some of the names that I saw. I have Incredible. no idea what's in that. I mean, honestly, it is probably a, a well-kept secret because that sounds like a something special. I gotta be honest, the drive through daiquiri stand does make me, like, incredibly sad. Like, that is the pinnacle of, like... 
of like just the sad drinking culture. I can't think of like a fun scenario where you would be right. getting a drive through daiquiri. Okay. <laughs> I agree because I I feel like if I am drinking, I would rather do it outside with other people and I don't want to like go out and buy a drink and then go back to my house and drink it. I think it's like, yeah, I I agree. I I feel like drive-through daiquiris were made for like people coming home from really shit jobs that like need a drink to unwind. That's a very sad scenario. Someone who is going through something and like is like, God damn it, I gotta pick up a drink before I go home. That is incredibly sad. <laughs> I can't think of a fun scenario where you're gonna be like, yeah, let's fucking get a drive through daiquiri. Like maybe just for the experience of it if you're like a tourist, but you're a tourist. As the whole. I don't really get it. <laughs> so the other thing about that is that like the process of getting a drive through daiquiri is like you show them your ID and then they hand you the deck, the drink, and then you leave. So it, it would be very easy to do what a lot of people, but not me because I'm 25, would do and just give them a fake ID. And yeah. it's a slushy. So it, it's like obviously appealing to underage drinkers. Yeah. That combined with the fact that 18-year-olds can drink in New Orleans as long as they are accompanied by a like parent, guardian, or spouse who is over 21. So if yeah. you're 18 and you're married to someone who's 21, you can just drink as long as they're with you. It's crazy. I do think this is a little bit of a a window into underage drinking, which we've talked about before. Just because, like, the names are Jungle Juice and Punch Drink. Those are, like... Yeah. And they're slushies, so... I guess this does have to be, like, literally designed for... You know, even even for someone to just, like, literally be in the backseat. Like, right? Like, someone, like... Like, whose idea are they checking? Are they checking everyone's in the car? Like... How many can you order at once? That's a good question. Could you order two? I don't see why you couldn't order two. Because it's like that's instantly saucy, right? Because what if you wanted? What if you wanted two drinks, but you you are gonna go home to drink it, and then you can't come back out and get the second one because you've already had a drink at home. I feel like we've also skipped the crucial part of this, which is that to be allowed to do this you cannot like pierce the cup with your straw okay yes (laughs) that is part of it um i we in new orleans when we heard about it they said that it was that you can't take the the paper cover off the top of the straw but you can have pierced with the straw yeah what i was seeing online was to the opposite it was that you cannot pierce it with the straw otherwise like it's an issue you know what they should do yeah. is they should make them like boba cups, you know, with the plastic film on top. So then like, you know, if it's been pierced, because like in theory, you could. But then how would you trick? Just open it and drink. How it. would you trick the police then? There, There's no way to trick them. Yeah. I mean, no, the concept of drive through daiquiris has me going full prohibition mode. I won't lie. I think we should ban all alcohol now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Because I hate it so much. It makes me so sad to think about that. 
anyone going through a drive through daiquiri stand makes me sad. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to end all of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is the logical next step. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I'm running for Congress in twenty in this this year or next. <laughs> I don't know when things happen, but I'm going to go to Louisiana and buy gu- I'm going to ban the fucking daiquiris. Good. Anyway, that's a, that's ex- that's yeah. what we need. Um that's a guarantee for me to you. That's what all of us at on this podcast want to hear. You're welcome. Uh yes, but a little bit of history. The first drive-through daiquiri stand is thought to have been the Daiquiri Factory in Lafayette, Louisiana, so actually not in New Orleans. Um, And it was founded by David Irvin, a forestry school dropout, which I thought is a silly little fact about that man. Good for him. Dropping out of forestry school. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not that interested in forests either. Also, I don't really know what forestry school is. Yeah, I don't know what you study there. I've just been... I'm riffing on this guy's occupation like I know anything about it. I'm so sorry, Mr. Forestry School. (laughs) That was presumptuous of me. Trees are good. (laughs) I think that he can get over it because his daiquiri factory was basically an overnight success. So, So much so that by the end of 1983... There were drive through daiquiri stands all across suburban New Orleans. And I think that from like a blog post that I read while doing this research, it see- that seems to still be the case. Like if you're driving into New Orleans from the suburbs, you pass like a ton of drive through daiquiri stands. Oh my God. Right. Yes. Uh, there is also a chain in Texas called Eskimo Hut that claims that they've been selling drive through daiquiris since the 1970s, but they were never allowed to put hard liquor in them. So to that, I say, shut up, Texas. Get out of here. Yeah, it's not really the, not really the same thing, is it? It really isn't. Dumbass. Yeah. Hey, Texas. Hey, Ted Cruz. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh yeah so uh we did sort of cover this but you may still be wondering to yourself how do these still exist now that it's illegal to drink and drive well uh i'm still talking about the daiquiri factory so let's get to that later so on june 25th 1982, Lafayette enacted a municipal ordinance banning open containers. So on that same day, the Daiquiri factory gave customers free champagne and t-shirts to celebrate the debut of its revolutionary sealed container. Do you know what that sealed container looks like? It is a styrofoam cup with a plastic lid and tape to hold the lid on. Incredible. Yeah, it's basically like when you order a drink on Grubhub and it comes in a paper cup with a lid and they put the tape on it so it doesn't spill. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, similar vibe. And also on top of that, started selling lemonade in the same cups so that police wouldn't know who was drinking what. That's actually fucking incredible and very smart. Yeah. 
That's hilarious. So on that day, there were 40 people who got ticketed by the police while they were waiting in the drive through line. But it had nothing to do with open containers of alcohol in their car because of these amazing, this amazing lid and tape technology. Mm. It was actually just for violating traffic laws. And I couldn't find anything more specific on that. I think that was just an excuse because the police were mad. Yeah. But yeah, the takeaway here is clearly that David Irvin was truly a criminal mastermind. That like that is some genius shit. Like that you can't deny. That's fucking incredible. Yeah. Yeah, He would he would like later go on to say that this uh, ban on open containers was like great for his business because it just like gave him publicity uh yeah now that you know about that lid and tape sealing solution uh i will address the question about why it's currently legal by quoting this um basically it is legal to drive with quote A bottle, can, or other receptacle that contains any amount of frozen alcoholic beverage unless the lid is removed or a straw protrudes through the lid. So that's why the daiquiris have to be frozen is, like, one Mm. thing. And then, like, what you were saying, as long as the straw is on the side, it is considered a closed container. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's really what I have about the drive-thru daiquiri fucking incredible just it's a story of an american hero who just wanted to make the police angry (laughs) and you know what i've come back around on the daiquiris just because i respect this man so much (laughs) all right the daiquiris can stay that's fine uh again that that is a guarantee from this podcast straight to your ears (laughs) so you're welcome yeah we're keeping the daiquiris. Um, yeah, but just remember that it's not the real daiquiri because true. remember that she is a high-class woman of the night. Um, that, uh, yeah, not these. These these are just frozen slushies. <laughs> yeah, I think that about does it. I'm going to wrap up because there's a bunch of sirens. So I'm also very hungry. Oh. But yeah, I think that about does it for this episode. Um, Do you have anything else you want to add? Um, Obviously, I would like to add that why don't we have more followers on Instagram? We're so good at this podcast. Um, I'm really good at drinking this beer on this podcast right now. You're really good at having an empty glass of water. Hydration is key. Right. Yeah, I don't understand this, but... I will say that, you know, probably the police will come and give you a ticket for violating traffic laws if you don't if you don't follow us on Instagram. That's why there's so many sirens outside right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're coming for you. They are coming through your earbuds. Yeah. So watch out. And and I don't know what happened to David Irvin, so I don't I don't know how to avoid the police. So good luck. Maybe just follow us on Instagram. That's the only way. Um, All right. Well, that does it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Fucking follow us or else. Uh, Peace. Peace.
Yeah, um, happy Mardi Gras. I don't know if there's like a, is there a saying for that? Is it just happy Mardi Gras? All right, all right, all right. well, yeah.